Today's episode of the hashtag called the same podcast, um, the book club series, how to be an anti-racist chapter 15, and we're talking about sexuality. So we'll start with our definitions. So queer racism, a powerful collection of racist policies that lead to inequity between race sexualities and are substantiated by racist ideas about race sexualities. Queer anti-racism a powerful collection of anti-racist policies that lead to equity between race sexualities and are substantiated by anti-racist ideas about race sexualities. So I started highlighting on right on page um, 193, um, right after the definitions, I say race and homophobic power distinguishes race sexualities, racial or sexuality groups into intersections of race and sexuality. A homophobic policy produces inequities between heterosexuals and homosexuals. A racist policy produces inequities between racial groups. Queer racism produces a situation where 32% of children being raised by black male same-sex couples live in poverty compared to 14% of children being raised by white male same-sex couples, 13% of children raised by black heterosexuals, and 7% of children raised by white heterosexuals. For children being raised by female same-sex couples who live in poverty, the racial disparity is nearly as wide. These children of black queer couples are more likely to live in poverty because their parents are more likely to than black heterosexual and white queer couples to live in poverty. And I wrote in the margins, knowledge is power. It's, it's, I want to stop here and just talk about something really quickly because this is why um, I, I talk about racism is in everything. White supremacy is everything. Um, we will want to continue to say, talk about white supremacy and racism in the confines or the constructs only of Ku Klux Klan, Nazis, alt-right, white nationalism, um, these very obvious external individual, because these are small groups of people, individual things, as if um, if we got rid of, you know, if we were able to eradicate Nazis, Ku Klux Klan, white nationalists, and um, alt-right or whatever other names they go by, this would solve the problem. And this, these, I hope what you're gaining from these um these chapters, these, these podcasts is that it, they would just, another group would pop up because this is a part of the system. Um, and, and, and I really do appreciate, even though there are some the points of, um, um, disagreement and that's what debate is. I mean, not debate. I don't want to use that word because people who try to exhaust us use that word all the time, but that's what research is. You put out a th- the hypothesis, you do some research and you put out a you know a theory, and you, people test it, people um, um, evaluate it, and and then there are conversations that that are had about it. And so I really appreciate how he is, how Dr. Kendi has broken it down into these very specific things. You know, we've already talked about whiteness, blackness, uh, we've talked about um, gender, we've talked about class, because it helps. And I'm happy we did this as the first book because it helps for people who've never seen this. 
which is whiteness. And people like myself who've always lived with it, understand, really see that it is in everything. And so that's what I wanted to just to, um, talk about, because if, even in this, it, just reading what I just read, that it's not just about being homosexual. Uh, it's not b- just about having same-sex parents. It's about the fact that black same-sex parents live in poverty at a greater rate than um, than heterosexual parents or even white same-sex parents. And then that black queer couples are more likely to be in poverty than black heterosexuals or black or white queer couples who are in poverty. So this is, is about systems and we need to keep focusing on systems. So that's what I wanted to deviate a little bit from there. Okay. Uh, or dive deeper into Homos- homophobia cannot be separated from racism. Criminals are born, not bred, and that people of color are by nature criminals. And I'm just reading through some highlights that I had on, um, um, on the next few pages. So I'm on page 194. Racist ideas suggesting black people are more hypersexual than white people and homophobic ideas suggesting queer people are more hypersexual than heterosexual intersect to produce a queer racism of the most hypersexual race sexuality the black queer, their imagined biological stamp, the abnormally prominent clitoris, which is particularly so in colored women. On page 195, I thought about black gay men running around having unprotected sex all the time, but Wakika did not seem sex crazed or reckless. I thought about his hypersexuality and his recklessness causing so many black gay men to contract HIV. I thought wrong. Black gay men were less likely to have condomless sex than white gay men. They were less likely to use drugs like poppers and crystal meth during sex, which heightened the risk of um, HIV um, infection. Again, knowledge is power. And then we go to page 196. And I really didn't highlight this except for some terms here. And this is going to be with your first homework. So in this, this second paragraph, it says, I assume black men performed femininity. I did not know that some gay men perform masculinity and actually prefer gay men who perform femininity. And then further down, it says um, that men can authentically perform femininity as effectively as women are authentically can authentically perform masculinity. So my first question is, um, and then I'm just curious about this because I've never heard the term perform before. So we're going to learn something together. So your homework, the first assignment on page 196 is Dr. Kendi uses the word perform slash performed related to the outward behavioral idea of femininity and masculinity. What are your thoughts on the use of this word in the context of sexuality? So again, I've never heard of this. This assignment is not about judging. It's about educating. Um, I have not heard performed masculinity or or femininity before. And so your assignment is to, um, what are your thoughts on the use of this word in the context of sexuality? Actually, I would like to really wouldn't mind having a conversation on Twitter about this um, from um, just so that I understand and we understand um, because I I guess my, 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 from my, and I understand um, cis hetero, black woman's perspective is the word performed, um, which 
means acting to me. And so that's why I, I kind of like, eh, is it performed or is it just who they are? Um, it, it, oh, it, it reminds me of when I'm, I incorrectly said someone's preferred pronouns. It's just their, per, their pronouns. It's not their preferred. It's the pronouns that they want. Um, and so it's that kind of thing for me. Okay, so I'm going to move on. On page 197, queer anti-racism is equating all of the race sexualities striving to eliminate the inequalities, I mean, the inequities between the race sexualities. We cannot be anti-racist if we are homophobic or transphobic. We must continue to affirm that all Black Lives Matter, all Black lives includes those of poor transgender Black women, perhaps the most violated and oppressed of all the Black intersectional groups. The average U.S. life expectancy of transgender women of color is 35 years old. The racial violence they face, the homophobia they face as they seek to live freely is unfathomable. And I've talked about this in the past. Um, And this also is a good time to give an example of when I say privilege is about who has access and who gets to um, the choice to yield that access. Because even as a black woman in the U.S., I know that I have um, relative privilege. And this goes back to a conversation we had before about um, power, relative relative privilege and power. Um, When I um, put that, uh, juxtapose that to black transgender women. And so that definitely when I'm in a room um, and if I'm, and if I'm following the hashtag culture scene guiding principles and prioritizing the most vulnerable, if I'm in the room as a cis heterosexual woman, um, the, if there are transgender individuals in the room, they are more prioritized. And if there are women, transgender women of color in the room, they are more prioritized than white transgender women. So this, I just want to see, it's not a hierarchy. It's just how, who we focus on protecting. Because if these individuals feel protected and safe, then everybody um, in relative privilege and power to them will feel protected and safe. I am a cisgendered black heterosexual male, cisgender, meaning my gender identity corresponds to my birth sex in contrast to transgender people whose gender identity does not correspond with their birth sex. To be queer, anti-racist, is to understand the privileges of my cisgender, of my masculinity, of my heterosexuality, of their intersections. To be a queer Anti-racist is to serve as an ally. You know, I have a problem with the word ally, but we're going to go with that. Um, and I'm going to stop there and say this. this. The reason I have a problem with the word ally is um, only those who are in those marginalized groups can tell you um, if you're an ally, we cannot assign it to ourselves. And too many people have done that. So that's why it's kind of harmful here for, for, for me for to say I'm not an ally. I'm there to support. Now, what that group of individuals call me is what they call me. I don't take that on. I know that my role there is just support and amplify what they do. I don't need a title. So let me read that again. To be queer anti-racist is to serve as an ally to transgender people. So I'm going to say to be queer anti-racist is to serve as in a supporting role to transgender people, to intersex people, to women, to non-gender conforming, to homosexuals, to their intersections meaning learning, listening, learning, and being led by their equalizing ideas, by their equalizing policy campaigns, by the power, by their power struggle for equal opportunity, 
to be a queer anti-racist is to see that policies protecting black transgender women are as critically important as policies protecting the political ascendancy of queer white males. To be queer anti-racist is to see the new wave of both religious freedom laws and the voter ID laws in Republican states as taking away the rights of queer people. To be queer anti-racist is to see homophobia, racism, queer racism, not the queer person, not the queer space as the problem, as abnormal, as unnatural. Um, and one of the, I want to talk about this as an interesting aside. Um, so when I talked about the voter IDs, um, one thing that I found um, recently or discovered recently is that there's a trans woman who is supporting, is a monthly supporter of the hashtag cause the scene podcast. And um, she can no longer support via PayPal because PayPal does not allow people to change their names. And um, once a transgender individual, and I'm not speaking for them, but this is the knowledge that I have. They have what they call their dead name, which is a name that they were they no longer use. It was what they the name they had before they they um, transitioned. And if they started PayPal as um, before they transitioned, PayPal does not allow them to change their name. And I find that just really what that is an unnecessary barrier. Um, again, that is in, that we've coded into our systems. Because they can, uh, transgender individuals can go to a bank and change their name. So why is PayPal any differently? Why it would be simple to me to put in um, that opportunity for someone to change their name and not be, and you can check about fraud. Um, and that just, again, because of the lack of perspective uh, and lack of inclusion is a risk management issue. Because now you are forcing people to set up another account which makes them more vulnerable when you're talking about people gaining access uh, or just leave the platform altogether. Um, so your homework assignment number two from page 197, I need you to follow, start following 10 new people on whatever social media platform you use. It could be a combination of whatever, but 10 new people from the brown and black transgender community. Your intention is not to become a voyeur or a parasite. Let me say that again. Your intention is not to become a voyeur or a parasite, but to seek opportunity to support, to support and amplify the causes they care about without centering yourself. So again, your assignment for um, number two is to start following 10 new people on whatever social platform you use from the black and brown transgender community. Your intention is not to become a warrior. And I have to keep saying this over and over again because whiteness centers itself. So many people sit around and just gawk and do absolutely nothing. This is not what this assignment is. You're not there to become a warrior or parasite sucking up information so that you can run back and act like you are an expert on these things. Because whiteness does that too. But it's to seek opportunities to support and amplify their causes uh, without centering yourself. All right, so on page 198, I learned from them that I am not a defender of black people if I am not sharply defending black women, if I am not sharply defending black queers. And this is a, something I've had an issue with in, the, in my community. I've never, even before I started this journey, very early on in my um, 
I've been a seeker of knowledge for a while, but very early on in my um, seeking, I never understood how, I mean, I get it now because of, you know, internalized white supremacy and anti-blackness, but I've never understood how descendants of slaves could actively discriminate against anybody, period. I just didn't understand that. And now I see that the mechanisms of internalized white supremacy and the use of the Bible um, and Christianity is that weapon, that thing that allows, um, um, and we see it in other things, but allows the black community to actively um, um, uh, uh, not only discriminate against, but directly cause harm to homosexuals and uh, people in the queer community, transgender individuals. Um, Even in Nigeria, they're, they're, they have, you know, they're, they're trying to change laws in, in Romania and, and, uh, about same-sex couples. And, and, and even in the United States where, where we're um, taking the rights away from transgender individuals. And we couch all of this in um, saving the, the, you know, the, the, the nuclear family or whatever bullshit we want to wrap it around in. But it's all we use this this book that was created by man, because none of these individuals who wrote this book were ever around when when, quote unquote, Christ walked this earth. Um, And so you're getting second, third, fourth generational um, um, accounts of these stories. And you're getting these stories from the perspectives of what people have said and, and you know, people of power. I mean, the Catholic Church, if you do any research on the Catholic Church and you will understand how the Bible and the, what books were put in the Bible and what books were left out of the Bible was all about power and privilege. So um, this, again, is where I ask uh, when I say people are ignorant, because um, I've all I mean, I actually read the Bible twice, but I read it as a novel because it was great. There, I mean, there are great stories in it, but I never took it. I've never taken it as factual. Um, and there are people who are listening to this who will be offended by that. But I don't give a fuck. You just you, you be offended. Um, because you're holding on to a book that was created years, centuries after the person who you, um, believe in existed, um, is causing harm to other people. So that is that. So, um, uh, now on page 199, um, my life did depend on it. I wanted to overcome my gender racism, my queer racism. Um, but I had to be willing to do for black women and queer blacks, what I had been willing to do for black men and black heterosexuals, which meant first of all, learning more and then defending them like my heroes had. It is best to challenge ourselves by dragging ourselves before people who intimidate us with their brilliance and constructive criticism. I didn't think about that. I wanted to run away. They did not let me run away. And I'm grateful now because of that. And I want I underline the word intimidate. Um, it has another triggering word for individuals because um, it's often a word attached to marginalized group, particularly black women in a negative. Um, your intimidation is about your feelings and you need to manage that. Um, it, I've uh, many several people have said that about me and my work. Um, and it's because I make them uncomfortable. And that's your shit, not mine. Um, intimidate, if you look at the definition, means something totally different. And that, if that's not my intention, it's just me speaking my truth um, from my lived experience and from my own research, then you need to deal with that. 
And, um, and there's a lot of that in this community. There are a lot of you who, um, when we say um, follow more people of color, you, you do that until you start hearing stories, reading stories that make you uncomfortable, and then you run away from that. You need to stop doing that. I need you to lean into that discomfort because this is the only way you can do this work because your lives are not our lived experiences, and you can never help us um, until you own that and are able to... Um, um, and are able to, to stop challenging us on our lived experiences. So these women were everything they were not supposed to be in my patriarchal and homophobic mind. Queer people are run by the, mm, let me do that again. Queer people are run by sex, not ideas. Queer people are abnormal. Feminists hate men. Feminists want female supremacy. But these black feminists obviously liked me a male they were as ideological as they were sexual as they were normal. They did not speak of women ruling men. They spoke of gender and queer equity and freedom and mutuality and com- complementary and power. No one seemed to incite them more than the patriarchal women. Really, patriarchal white women standing behind racist white patriarchs. And then... Um, 200. Patriarchal women, as a term, made no sense to me back then, like the term homophobic homosexuals. Only men can be patriarchal, can be sexist. And so this is your final assignment on page 20, question number three. Define patriarchal women. Write a a critique about their role in maintaining systems of oppression, which includes a strategy to challenge that role. So again, Assignment number three is on page one, I mean, sorry, on page 200, define patriarchal women and write a critique, write a critique about their role in maintaining systems of oppression, which includes a strategy that challenges that role. Um, And I talk about often how white women are the chief maintainers and amplifiers um, of white supremacy. So we need to think about a, a... develop strategy for challenging that in our everyday lives so um that is today's assignment that is today's uh, episode and um have a wonderful day goodbye thanks for listening to this special episode of the hashtag call the scene podcast i would like once again to give thanks to the author of how to be an anti-racist professor ibram x kendi Learn more about his work at his website at ibramxkindy.com. Please consider becoming an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Call the Scene movement by visiting the website at hashtagcallthescene.com. On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Call the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.